Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. Marcel here. Before today's episode, I want to tell you about a new show that we are loving at Witch Please Productions, the Culture Study Podcast with Anne Helen Peterson. If you don't already know it, I'm convinced that you're about to fall in love with a new podcast. And this is coming from me, Marcel, someone who famously doesn't really listen to podcasts. Culture Study is a podcast about exploring the nooks and crannies of the culture that surrounds us. Each week, Anne and a super smart co-host will answer listeners' questions about the stuff they find interesting and perplexing, like, why do clothes suck now? And... Is Paw Patrol copaganda, or is it not that deep? And, like, what's the deal with everyone I know getting a divorce? Just like Anne's tremendously popular newsletter of the same name, Culture Study Podcast is funny, insightful, and kind of weird. And it's guaranteed to help you become the most interesting person at parties. Listen to the Culture Study Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you get your shows. Who knows? Maybe you'll recognize some guests in the coming months. We were paused. Now we're not. Yeah, we started saying funny things again, so we had to turn it back on. Is that a present? Hello, and welcome to Witch Please, a fortnightly podcast about the Harry Potter world. <laughs> I'm Hannah McGregor. And I'm Marcel Cosman. If the numbering didn't tip you off, today we're bringing you one of our rare extended universe episodes in which we talk about a Harry Potter thing that is not a book or a movie. Yes, that's right, baby. Or that isn't, you know, one of the original books or movies. In our first extended universe episode, we played and discussed Lego Harry Potter years one to four. Uh, The second one was our Christmas special. And the third captured our live nerd night talk about feminist literary criticism. I know. (laughs) Tonight we're taking things down a notch in order to sit quietly, color in some shapes, and chat a little bit about the adult coloring book craze, books as material objects, censorship, and whatever else catches our fancy. (laughs) So if you have your own coloring book or have always wanted an excuse to get one, go grab it now and then meet us back here in 10 minutes for some coloring good times. And you're going to get a lot of baby noises in the background because somebody has learned how to chat. (laughs) Awesome. Wonderful. Okay. So, uh, which, which, what are we going to color? Which, which picture? So for some context here. Marcel received from her wonderful grandmother mm-hmm. the Harry Potter coloring book. Um, interestingly, coloring is written with the American spelling. So. I didn't even know what that word was until you read it aloud for me. <laughs> you were like, color? Color? Colo ring. What could coloring. that possibly? What? 
I don't know. Does it have to do with a colon? It probably has to do with colons. Yeah. And what it does is like, it's, I'm pretty sure that it's based on the movies. Yeah, it's definitely based on the movies, not on the book. It's got a little intro at the beginning that says, let the film stills, unit photography, and concept art provided at the end of this book serve as both guide and inspiration as you explore the color of the Harry Potter films. So like a really good coloring book, it's provided you with references <laughs> at the back so you know what color things ought to be. But That's I great. say fuck that noise yeah. and color these things whatever colors I want to. Um... <laughs> I think that baby agrees with you. Oh my god. Uh, (laughs) And then it goes through, like, chronologically through the movies and has, like, really important stills from from each of the movies. Uh, Okay, yeah, so what do you want to color in? Um, Oh my god, I want to color in this picture of Snape. Okay, great. (laughs) Here's the exacto knife. You cut your book. I can't cut your book. Um, yeah, the thing that I find really disappointing about this coloring book is that it doesn't have perforated pages, so, like, I don't know how you're supposed to color with friends, because you certainly can't share a book. That's nonsense. So this is interesting to me. So this is part of the larger adult coloring craze. You can tell that this is meant to be an adult coloring book because it's too complex for a child. Um, lots of very small shapes. Might be too complex for us. It's too complex for us, too. Um... (laughs) It's part of this trend of, yeah, producing sort of high art concept coloring books for adults. And as far as I can tell, none of those have perforated pages. Um, Because there's an assumption that you, as an adult coloring in a coloring book, will not be pulling out the pages and putting them up on your fridge. Well, we're about to prove them wrong, aren't we? We are absolutely going to. Later later on, we're going to auction off the pages we colored in. (laughs) That's a great idea. We'll sell them as merchandise. Uh, I'm going to do this one here of the Dementors um, ominously swooping around Hogwarts. Oh, nice. This is going to be one of one of those really embarrassing hipster moments where I'm going to say that I was I was doing this before it was cool. You were coloring before you were an adult because I don't think that counts as being a hipster. No, the thing I was going to say is that. in the summer of 2007, when um, when our erstwhile tech support... Hi, how are you doing? Trevor Chow Fraser and I went to China for the summer. Mm-hmm. I don't know what brought this on, but it had occurred to me how really... It might have been because I was really unhappy during that trip, and Aww. I really wanted... I know, so depressing. And I really wanted something to do, something that would just be peaceful. I wasn't really making friends. Nobody liked me. Oh. And um, it, it became... Really, I find it really hard to believe that people wouldn't like you. I, hey man, I don't know. You're there with me. You too, get it. Too obviously aggressively feminist or something oh, like that. Who even knows? I was a lot less charming than I am now. Um, yeah, and so we went, we started to go hunting through um, art supply stores uh, to get pencil crayons, like mm-hmm. decent quality pencil crayons, and to get um, coloring books. Yeah. Uh, like adult, they had um, adult ish yeah coloring china books. does everything before north america does yeah. so that's unsurprising trendsetters yeah. hi sweetheart <laughs> <laughs> this didn't help we just brought you closer to the mic hi we have our pictures we, we have, have our, pictures. our pictures um i need i want those markers you want the little ones yeah okay yeah i like precision in my coloring that's a, that's yeah snape's hair black have you never read the books no oh my god 
Um, I'm going to use uh, these twistable crayons that my grandma gave me along with the coloring book because she very wisely suspected that I might not have um, the coloring... hand coordination. No coloring supplies. <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't mean to undermine your coloring skills. A baby just drooled all over your wrist. Um, there's some... I don't know how to get the crayons out of the, out of the box. Um, so now they're all over the table. Uh, I thought you didn't know how to twist them up. I mean, I I've never used these before. I think, I, I think this is it. I think it's I think it's a crown and a cool plastic holder. And then when you when you've worn down the top, so you twist it and it goes up like that. Twist, 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 twist. You know, in my day, we just had crayon sharpeners. Uh, in my day, when you wore down the part above the paper, you peeled off the paper wrapper. I think for this picture, I'm going to go for, like, a intense contrast. Oh, that's exciting. So lots of fuchsias. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should make the Dementor pink. (laughs) I think that would be subversive. I have a lot of trouble with subversive coloring. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of coloring coloring book apps on my iPad um, that I color quite regularly when I can't sleep at night. Mm -hmm. And when um, somebody's kicking you in the solar plexus all night? Pretty much. And it is like the hardest thing in the world for me to color using non-capital R realistic color choices. Um, I recently made a panda that was teal and red, and that was like really, that was a big thing for me. pretty radical. It was very radical. I haven't even started because I'm already, I'm so anxious. Just overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the responsibility. Yeah. Um, So I also received a coloring book for Christmas as I... From what I understand, like 90% of the human population on Earth did this Christmas, right? Coloring Adult coloring books were something crazy, like 9 out of 10 of the Amazon top nonfiction bestsellers wow. this year at Christmas were adult coloring books. So, like, this is like the Tickle Me Elmo Correct. return of our yeah. generation. Yeah, except that it's for adults, yeah. specifically. Mm. Um and uh, I actually had a student do a presentation on coloring books in my book history class cool. last semester. Um, and one of the questions that she asked her group was whether or not um, you can think of coloring books as books like regular books. Oh. Um, all right. And then the question becomes, well, how do we, what are, what are the characteristics what is different about what we're doing? Oh, yeah, Snape is going to be... Oh, yeah. So sallow-faced. Snape is very yellow right now. Um, you know, what are the characteristics of a book? What defines a book and how we interact with it? And how is what we're doing with a coloring book different? Mm-hmm. Like, how is the materiality of a coloring book different? Well, it has perforated pages. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it definitively doesn't. Um, you know, I think what, what we sort of agreed upon was that while the culture of use might be different, it's not that, it's, it's a difference of degree rather than difference mm. of type. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like we interact with books, we interact with all of our books and we write mm-hmm. in them and we manipulate them and we develop material and creative relationships with them. Mm-hmm. You know, how much different is it to sit down with a coloring book? And color in the pages and sort of develop that that kind of constrained but creative relationship with it mm-hmm. than to read a book. Hmm. Maybe write some notes in the margins. 
I have a I have a question uh-huh. about that. I'm wondering, so like little kids read books uh-huh. and then ideally from little kid to young adult to teen to adult, we continue to read books, right? And the types yeah. of books that we read change with us, right? Yeah. Like all those different life stages have different genres of literature, yeah, them, right? So I guess I'm wondering why it's only recently that coloring books have done the same. Like, why is it that there aren't, like, teen coloring books? And do you know what yeah. I'm asking? Am I making any sense? Yeah, you absolutely are. Um, I don't... I, yeah, it's interesting to think about why coloring in particular... I mean, coloring is, like, a particularly constrained form of craft making. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know making crafts already feels like a thing that's for kids. Right. And so yes. add on to that the fact that this is an extra constrained form mm-hmm. and it feels particularly infantilizing. But we have like that whole scrapbook culture, right? Like we mm-hmm. have Michaels, which isn't as much as it has lots of stuff for kids. Michaels is for adults. I don't know what you guys yeah. have in not Canada. That is the Michaels equivalent, but like, in Quebec, it's Omer Dessert. Oh, no, that's art supplies. Never yes, mind. it is. It used to be in Ottawa, too. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's, There's uh, no it's Holly Hobby. Holly, remember? Holly Hobby. 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 Hobby horse. Hob- hobby barn. Hob- what was it? What was the really fucking misogynist Hob- hobby store? Oh, it has hobby I in the I think it's name. Holly Hobby. <laughs> No, no, that was a fucking toy you used to be able to get. It's not hobby horse either. That's a, that's a thing. Well, let's never look this up. Mm. Um, We've got American listeners right now who are like losing their fucking minds. I hope so. They're I like absolutely screaming hope so. it at the top of their lungs. I'm doing a really great job of making Snape look insane. You're doing a really great job at making me feel better about my color. Oh, yeah, you are welcome. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, um, it's so that's very curious that, like, even though there are other forms of crafts that are... Um, yeah, that are similarly constrained and yeah. similarly, you know, people get, like, crazy into, yeah, scrapbooking um, or knitting, yeah. right? Or you're following a pattern yeah. and just going through particular steps. Yeah. Um, and yet, for some reason, you know, maybe it's because the thing that you produce is so fundamentally and by definition useless. <gasps> I mean, I got deep into paint by numbers for a couple of years, or like for a year or so. Oh yeah, you've got right some beautiful at, right paint at the by beginning numbers of in my your, postdoc. Uh, yeah, I put those up. I put yeah. those bad boys up. I was proud of them. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Um, and similarly, I'm proud of this, and we'll put it up too. <laughs> It'll be like Harry's picture of Hedwig. It's <laughs> <laughs> wardrobe. It's substantially less competently inactive. <clears throat> um. Oh my. Yeah, so I was listening to uh, to an episode of another podcast, because I listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. It was an episode of Judge John Hodgman. Do you know the premise of the show? It's like a... I do, but your listeners may not. Okay, sorry. Your listeners. listeners. My listeners. The Hannah McGregor Hour. The Hannah McGregor Hour, <laughs> where I ramble about podcasts I've listened to. You're going to get a real good feel of what friendship with me is like. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the premise of it is John Hodgman, who is a, a writer and a comedian has this fake judge persona that he enacts on the show and he um, litigates real world disputes 
usually between family members or friends. And so this particular one was a married couple having a debate about proper care and keeping of books. Hmm. Um, And it was a two-part debate. One was... Um, you know, how you should keep your books at home, how you should treat your books at home. But the other one was whether or not you should dog ear the pages in library books. <gasps> oh my God. It was really interesting. I mean, the guy, it was the husband who was arguing that you, that, that is a fine thing to do and he didn't stand a fucking chance. Oh and God. towards the end of that part of the conversation, <laughs> the judge just phoned the library branch that this particular gentleman frequented and asked a librarian. <laughs> Oh it was goodness. like, how do you feel about when people dog ear your books? And the librarian was like, oh, no, we don't like that. That's bad. It's like, well, there you go. But uh, his no, argument was that uh, material books are substantially more durable than digital books. Um, that print books, paper books can take a lot of beating and, you know, hold up. And that it's actually really interesting to get your hands on a book that has all of these material traces of somebody else's use still attached to them. And I thought that, you know, it's a really shitty justification for dog-earing a library book. But I did think it was interesting, an interesting reminder of of what interesting objects paper books are. I agree with that um, justification in the sense that when we come across old books with marginalia in them, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's a kind of hubris to approach a book that is circulated among the public and be like, the thing that I contribute to it will be interesting to others. I'm going to do history to this book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like part of what makes it so exciting to find marginalia in like a 200 year old book is the fact that it's not covered in the like adolescent scrawls of every single person who ever had it, you know? Yeah. Like my marginalia, I can give you a perfect example. I got in trouble once in elementary school for writing in my grade eight math textbook. Mm -hmm. And I was writing the lyrics to a song that I was really into (gasps) at the time. Oh my God. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's the best marginalia. It was a stupid ass song. It was a one hit wonder by probably like a really shitty band called the long pigs. And what, how did the song go? I can't remember. All I remember was that they were called the long pigs. Wow. That's extremely exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sort of like, I'm going to intervene in history. Look mm-hmm. at me, I'm doing history to this book. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's how history works. No. If you're allowed to do that. History is something that needs to take its natural course, you know? Yeah. Stop intervening in history, everyone. <laughs> Just let history happen on its own. <laughs> Shit, wait. Wait, no. My, no, my argument. You made it so, you made it so fascist. <laughs> no one's allowed to do anything. <laughs> Goodness. I think it's a blue sky out, don't you agree? Mm. We've mm. always been at war with Eurasia. <laughs> These sort of conversations about what it is that books are for and what we do with them and how we define them um, is reminding me of this conversation that we had around the question of censorship in Harry right. Potter yeah. when um, we were very kindly invited to Uh, participate in a screening of the first Harry Potter movie as part of the Edmonton Public Library's um, Freedom to Read Freedom to Read Week where they talk about books that have been challenged or banned and uh, emphasize the role of public libraries in 
protecting the public's access to different kinds of information, including, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that they keep on their shelves books that some parents might not necessarily like. Mm-hmm. Um, and as some of our listeners may already know, though not necessarily all of them, uh, Harry Potter is one of the series as a whole, really, um, but particularly the first one because it's aimed for a younger age group, is one of the most challenged books of Mm -hmm. the 21st century. So one of the books that most frequently parents try to get taken off, you know, student reading lists and out of libraries and that kind of thing, try to control access to. So you did a whole bunch of reading about it. I did a little bit of reading about Mm -hmm. it, but my brain is like a sieve, so I can't actually remember. So what are the arguments about the Harry Potter? Like, I'm guessing that magic is the witchcraft puts off some people yeah you know particularly puts off people who are um sort of conservative christian and muslim parents who believe that witchcraft is a thing but that it is a bad thing Mm -hmm. it is a sinful thing and so that's that's one interesting piece of it is that in order to take an issue with the representation of witchcraft you need to actually believe that witchcraft exists, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's one thing to take issue with representations of homosexuality because it's like, yes, homosexuality is definitely real. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also making, you know, when you when you take issue with Harry Potter, you are implying the obviously logical argument that everything in Harry Potter <laughs> is possible. Yeah. Um, okay, so if the argument then is that it portrays witchcraft, is the argument that witchcraft is bad and shouldn't be made light of? Or is there an understanding that the witchcraft depicted in Harry Potter is um, realistic? I think the argument is that um, it's going to seduce children into interest in the dark arts. Um, I read one piece that was, you know, part of this sort of conservative Christian blog that was citing statistics about youth being increasingly interested in Wicca and participating more and more in pagan religions. And this article claimed that was directly related to the Harry Potter phenomenon. Oh, there's no way that that's true. I was super into, like, the occult and Wicca and whatnot when I was... Oh, you know, that I could probably blame that on the craft, though. Yes, it was definitely the craft. And nobody's going <laughs> to deny that the craft would be... <laughs> Maybe from within the framework of Christianity, a book that you wouldn't like. Wait, it's a movie. Sorry, I forgot how media works. Might have been based on a book. I don't think it was. (laughs) But if it is, oh my god, somebody please send it to us. I will read that so hard. Um, Yeah, so right there up front, you've got this really interesting, like, magic is real and dangerous and we don't want our kids getting involved in it. Mm -hmm. And that's really intriguing. Um... And the other thing that really struck me is uh, a lot of, I read a a bunch of librarian responses and the focus that a lot of the responses, sort of what a lot of the responses focused on was this sort of, um, uh, you know, it's good to get kids reading at a young age. It doesn't really matter what the stories are about. This is harmless. It's a fantasy novel. And so the way in which they address those concerns tended to be magic is not real. You can't see this listeners, but I'm pouting. No, it's very sad. Um 
And it reminded me of, and I know Marcel, I sent this to you at the time. It reminded me of this Rebecca Solnit piece mm-hmm. called Men Explain Lolita to Me, um, which is an absolutely amazing piece that all of you should go read if you have not yet. Um, in which she says that the tendency for people to defend literature against censorship by saying literature doesn't have any actually have any power like it can't actually do anything everybody just calm down Mm -hmm. um is a really terrible way to defend literature Mm -hmm. um and that we should find a way to embrace the fact that literature has real life-changing power and not want to censor that right I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Can I quickly pause and just comment on how, like, tickled I am by the quality of the paper? Because, no, never mind. I take it all back. Never mind. She was going to be really impressed that the color wasn't leaking through, but that's because she's not coloring as vigorously as I am. (laughs) She hasn't made a Technicolor Dream Snape. People would be a lot nicer to him if he wore jewel tones more. That's true. It really suits him. You know, our friend Claire wears a lot of jewel tones when you've got pale skin and dark hair. Mm. Though, in all fairness, my Severus has bright orange skin. So, listen, there were no, mm. there's no white person flesh-toned markers. Yeah, so the other, the other sort of point of challenge that I came across, um, you know, I was, I, I was unsurprised by the witchcraft is bad challenge. Mm-hmm. I was expecting that one. But then I also came across the, uh, oh, something like family values. Okay. Like undermines the family. That seems ridiculous uh-huh. to me. Uh-huh. And so I did a little bit more looking into that. And the argument there seems to be that essentially the narrative of the Harry Potter books is that the Dursleys are cruel to Harry. Mm-hmm. And as a result... Harry is driven out of his biological family unit and into this community of magic users. And that that narrative is dangerous for children because it's going to drive them to resist the authority of their parents and to, when unhappy with their parents, turn to a life of witchcraft. Nope. One of the things that the Harry Potter series really does is celebrate chosen family, right? Because mm. there are many people who do not have um, loving and respectful parents at home and instead find solace in the comfort of friends and in the families of friends, right? And so yeah. I actually think that Harry Potter as a series is really great at um, applauding that kind of community building and family building. But, Marcel, uh, I am shocked to hear. <laughs> That you are defending the Harry Potter series. Oh my god. Um, (laughs) So that was interesting to think about, to sort of 
actually start to wrap my head around the grounds upon which people argue for the censoring of books and how those arguments are always, always seem to be premised, you know, yes, upon a sort of a desire to aggressively dismiss other worlds and other possibilities for being in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, a desire to refuse the stories of people who whose lives are different from you which is a pretty mm. a pretty shitty instinct mm-hmm. and one that's going to lead to uh i think to probably forms of hateful behavior at other times in your life mm-hmm. um but is also strangely based on this real belief in the transformative power of literature hmm. which i found really fascinating yeah if you think about like analogs to this kind of argument that you know, children will read these books and learn to resist the authority of their families, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. If we think of an analog to that, like when I was in elementary school, this is probably true for a lot of Canadian kids. um, We had to read a lot of Holocaust narratives. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we think about that, if we think about the, the ultimate lesson that that teaches, which is that sometimes your government is bad and does bad things to you, essentially what that, what you could argue is that these novels are bad because they teach you to... Um, second guess the orders of your government mm-hmm. and the police. But at no point would anybody be like, oh, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one would ever suggest that we take Number of the Stars off of the reading list of, like, grade mm-hmm. 7 or 5 or whatever year it is. Yeah. Um, children everywhere. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because... That's a really... Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a really interesting point. Uh, something to do with a sort of... families more pure than government? Yeah, like some governments can be wrong, but mm. government is not sacred in the same way that family is. Right. Um, you know, and the people who defend the police as inherently good, um, I think also tend to be not very good at history. Mm-hmm. And so That's maybe point. <laughs> maybe don't understand, you know, like the way that that Nazism is framed his- historically is not as a this could happen to you, but as a look at these monsters, right? Like it tends because you don't read stories from the perspective of Nazis. You read stories from the perspective of Jews. You read in the stuff that you read as a kid, the Nazis are never identifiable. You can't understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting we start. (laughs) start (laughs) Kids are reading. portrayals of nazism i mean what is schindler's list if not a sympathetic portrayal of a nazi no is it i I don't know i can't remember (laughs) probably i only remember the closing scene this is always the way with me i remember like one sliver of things i remember liam neeson being like this pin this pin i could have saved one person with this pin pin yeah he like he like pays for he, like, pays money to rescue people from okay. concentration camps or, like, yeah. something like He, like, pays money to save um, people who would otherwise be transported to concentration camps. Okay. Um, yeah, and so at the end of the movie when um, he's done that, he's, like, looking at all the things he still owns and realizes that he could have, like, sold his car and saved a family and, like... Shit. You know, it's Steven yeah. Spielberg, so there's, like, a lot of feelings. Yeah. But, yeah, there's something... There is something about the way... That that particular history is is taught to us that I think, I don't know, I think discourages an actual critical gaze on our own government. Yeah. 
So thinking about sort of other parallels of arguments for like these things can have portrayals in media can have a real negative impact on the world. Um, we might think about uh, video games, mm, which tend mm -hmm. to get a lot of that critique, um, you know, in the sort of what I think I'm not sure if this is something that happens much anymore, but the the anxiety about video games leading to um, violence in young mm -hmm. people. Uh, you know, that argument that playing violent video games will make you tend towards violence. Mm -hmm. um, and then as the flip side of that, the more feminist argument that the violence against women in video games perpetuates misogyny mm -hmm. and, and gendered violence. That argument makes a very similar move mm -hmm. to the argument of reading Harry Potter is going to send your kids to witchcraft. I think the difference is not in your understanding of how media works. I think the really just the difference is in what is in your politics, right? Is mm -hmm. What you actually want. Like what your actual concern is? Nope. Yeah, 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 what your actual concern is. Like what you what you think media should be saying and what you think it shouldn't be saying. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, violence against women is real in a way that, like, children running away to a magical school is not real. Yes, it you is. Know? But if you believe witchcraft is real. But the images of witchcraft that are depicted in these books aren't real. No, they're certainly not. They're, like, fun, you know? Mm -hmm. There's no disemboweling a goat. I, this is what I imagine stop, real witchcraft to be like. judging my religion, <laughs> amazing is that I basically just described ancient Judaism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nobody's doing something disgusting like scapegoating. Oh wait, my. Wait. You know, we look at the various things and then we say what is oppressive and what is not. What is perpetuating the violence of the status quo and what is not. And there's no, there's yeah. nothing in Harry Potter that is, I mean, there are. <laughs> we talk about them in our fucking podcast. <laughs> I guess the other thing is that no actual feminist critics of video games are calling for their censorship. Right. They're just calling for better, more thoughtful video games. Yeah. Yeah. They're not saying we, we would like to eliminate these. They're just like, could you make some other ones that also have other possibilities in them? Like female characters who aren't being assaulted? Yeah. I Like the video games that I play are not the type to be the subject of feminist criticism. So yeah. <laughs> I Mario Party is just not yeah. not making people that mad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting. It was interesting to spend that time thinking a bit more about why this series in particular has been the target of censorship and what that says about what people think about the series and about books in general and Oh, you know what I was remembering? I was remembering um uh, the librarian that we had been interacting with uh, for the event, Susan, mm -hmm. she was telling us about how when they, how what they do during Freedom to Read Week is they put up the books that are historically challenged and banned, mm -hmm. um, and they'll do a little display of them. And that the previous year, what they had done is I think they had had somebody write on the books what was the criticism right yeah. so it's like swear words or like i can't rem i can't remember any specific examples but that people when they saw them 
in the library with those markings on them thought that they'd been graffitied. Yeah. Which I thought was really, really interesting. The yeah. way that we, like... So this is like a throwback to the very beginning of this recording where we were talking about how is it appropriate to treat your books and how is it not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and somebody was like, oh my god, people are writing things on these books. This is terrible. Librarians were like, oh no, I don't know. That's what us. we're going for. That was that us. That was us. Sorry. So Marcel is doing a really beautiful job of like shading things in and uh, I am creating possibly the ugliest work of art. I think it's very beautiful, but I'm looking at it upside down. So maybe if I look at it the right way. No, it's so beautiful. That is what it would be like to visit Snape's dungeon on acid. (laughs) (laughs) When I got my coloring book my own coloring book for christmas i also got both a set of markers and a set of pencil crayons and initially the first couple of things i did i did with the pencil crayons until i realized that i did not have the patience for that particular activity and uh and moving forward started coloring everything in with markers so i was like yeah let's get this done yeah, as I'm like very painstakingly tracing with gray all of the um, outlines of the clouds on this on this picture, it's occurring to me how like I'm never going to do another one of these ever. Like I'm never going to have time to yeah. sit down and color in this coloring book. And uh, that makes me feel feelings. Uh-oh. No, that's okay. <laughs> oh no, feelings. Ah. Ah. It's horrifying. Stop them. Yep. Yeah, no, it's fine. Which is why this podcast is such an exciting opportunity to uh, do some coloring. Yeah. Uh, I hope everybody else is coloring along with us. <laughs> it would be really horrifying if we accidentally touched each other while coloring. I'd be really mad if you bumped into my elbow and made me screw up these beautiful lines. <gasps> oh, yeah. You're actually putting a lot of effort into this. So one of the things we haven't talked about is how this coloring book is also an adaptation of the Harry Potter series. Oh, that's a really Um, smart thing we should talk about. And it's also, it's an adaptation of an adaptation because this is based on the films, not on the books. So they've taken, you know, the books are already, or the films rather, are already remediations of the books. And now we've got the remediation of the film back into a book and a different kind of book so why do you think they chose to do stills from the movie instead of like imagining a whole like instead of imagining i think probably because the movies are so pervasive i think this is why the lego harry potter do the movies as well is that the movies have made such a mark on our imagining of what this world looks like Mm-hmm. That until those movies have, like, faded from our cultural consciousness, I don't, mm-hmm. like, I feel like people would be angry yeah. if they got if they got a Harry Potter coloring book that didn't look familiar to them. Yeah, I guess so. I guess if somebody got a Harry Potter coloring book and it was like, Hermione didn't look like Hermione, people would be like, what is going on here? Yeah, like a Hermione who was like, I don't know, racialized in some way. Like, maybe but she was a black woman. color Hermione in black. <laughs> it's a coloring book. Oh my god. <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> it's your, you know what? It's your time to shine. Um, Are you suggesting that the representation of uh, people of color in coloring books is not um, important? Important? No, I'm not. Okay. 
No, but I am suggesting that there is at least within coloring books some possibility for fucking with the script. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Right? Like, you don't have to. This is one of the things that really interests me about this this book. So they they go with the movie scenes. It's actual movie stills. It's not like a reimagining of... It's not even taking the characters the way they look. It's like actual stills. Mm-hmm. And then at the back of the book, you've got a reproduction of the stills and you were encouraged to color in the same way that those stills look, mm-hmm. right? So there's this real attempt to sort of lock down what is fundamentally a creative process yeah. and to, like, get you to not interact with this coloring book in arguably the exact way coloring books are meant to be interacted <laughs> with, which is to, like, to fuck with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? They don't... They fail at providing reward for... Um, basing your work on the stills. So, like, what's the point? What kind of reward might they have provided? I don't know. Like, if you do this, here's a sticker. Well, I guess they can't. No, they can't. Somebody no, comes to your house. Nobody's gonna. And asks no, to investigate your, classic, your book. Classic academic. <laughs> nobody's gonna be grading this, so I don't see why I should work hard. That's how I feel. Oh yeah. my goodness. The movie store around the corner from where I grew up used to have coloring contests. Mm. They would produce these these sort of single page um, coloring in pages and then everybody, all of the kids could color them in and then whoever, I guess whoever colored it in best won something? Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like a good deal. But they would like put them all up. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. Good job, West Coast Video. I'm sorry you burned down. I suspect it was insurance fraud. Mm. Have you have you ever heard the expression Greek lightning or or Jewish lightning? No. Oh it wow. Well, racist. I always I grew up in a much more racist town than you did. <laughs> you and your cosmopolitan hometown. That's me. Is that like an accusation that like? To be honest, I can't actually make sense of what it like. I don't, parse this racism for me. I can't parse it. <laughs> I think it's like. That stand-up bit that Aziz Ansari does where he goes through a long list of, um, like, racial slurs that he found mm-hmm. on the internet. And the first one that he gives is Christ Killers. And he's like, guess who it is? Guess who it is? <laughs> and he's like, you think it's Jews, don't you? It's not. It's the Chinese. Like, What? what? I know. <laughs> I know. What? This is the thing about racism. It doesn't oh, actually make any of sense. Of course. Of course. There's no logic there's involved no logic. in forms of pathological hatred. <laughs> Yeah, I had a I had a moment in one of another one of the courses that I'm teaching right now, where one of my students asked whether that so it's a Marxist theory course, um, and one of my students asked whether or not there was any such thing as capitalist theory. And I was like, oh yeah, no no no, it's most things, <laughs> it's most of the world is capitalist theory, um, and similarly, you know, people say. I've had students say, like, you know, we only read feminist theory. Why don't we read the other side? And it's like... Because you get exposure to that already. Yeah. And so you don't need courses that are like, here's what you see every day. (laughs) (laughs) Look, the entire world and how it is. Anyway. I was thinking about that because there's there's a podcast that I've started listening to uh, called One Bad Mother, which Mm -hmm. is on the Max Max Fun Network, which I definitely recommend. As is Judge John Hodgman. As is Judge John Hodgman. We're big Max Fun fans. 
Um, and one of the things that they were talking about, I'm at the very, very beginning of their run, and so they were just talking recently about how one of them had shown the movie Peter Pan, the Disney cartoon Peter Pan, to her little girl, who I think was three, mm-hmm. um, at the time, and she called this a fail because she didn't realize until she was watching it like how much horrendous sexism uh, happens mm. in that movie. I, I would also argue that there's like, really rampant racism oh too. Oh my god, the racism <laughs> oh in the animated Peter Pan is shocking. Yeah, yeah. A student of mine presented on that last yeah. semester and re-watching it was like, oh. It's no. hard. It's hard to watch. Yeah. 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 And so I was thinking about like the way in which parents want and desire like censoring things from their children and keeping things from them. And I was like, oh, so how does it apply? Like, if knowing that I choose not to show my child Peter Pan, does that mean I'm doing the same thing as parents who forbid their children from reading Harry Potter? And I was thinking about it, I was like, no, you know what? No, because my child is going to be exposed to sexism (laughs) and racism without me helping it along by, like, showing a movie that makes sexism and racism look really cute. Yeah, yeah. So, like... That's different. You from... don't. You don't need to try to expose your child to hateful ideologies. He's yeah. going to get them anyway. Yeah. You need to try to expose him to other things. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to set it on fire if he brings home a copy of Peter Pan from the library and wants to watch it. I'll probably watch it with him. Yeah. And then, and then sit down, sit him down, and explain how feminist theory works. Yeah. And then be like, now because you brought this upon yourself, you're going to need to read some theory. Yeah. Sorry. So, yeah. I'll make the rules. I mean, really, it's about, I think, the actual goal is more exposure to more kinds of stories. Yeah. Um, rather than less, right? It's trying yeah. to sort of open up the possibilities. Yeah. It's not about saying, I don't ever want my kid to read a story told from the perspective of a white guy. It's saying... I would like them to also read stories told from a lot of different perspectives, too. I think that would be nice. That would be nice. Yeah. Thank you, dear listeners, for joining us for episode Moo. (laughs) Mew? I have no idea. I don't speak Greek. Episode Moo of Witch Please. You can stream the rest of our episodes at ohwitchplease.ca or subscribe to us on any podcatcher you so desire. But probably what you should do is subscribe to us on iTunes and then leave us a review. And uh, that way you can drive our podcast up the iTunes chart towards inevitable world domination or something similar. And while you've got your internet out, check us out on Twitter at OhWitchPlease and join in the conversation with the following hella dope people. Dear Alina, Kat Manica, Sophie Biblio, Jordan Ruth, The Audio Signal, Podcast Broadcast, Naomi, either K. Ray or Cray, I don't know, let us know, uh, Kristen Morin, C. Hastings 25, Natasha Tasha, etc., Rachel Big Eyes, Seen and Heard Yeg, Boogie Knight, Digital Wheelie, Debbie Kinsey, Sarah Sherwood, Anne Fine, Belinda McCart 10, V. Vigne, Katerina Hoven, Kiss Me Hardy, Matt Domville, Nordsey Blau, Scriptorium Girl, Neapolitan, El Bourgon, Cyclone Chloe, Alex Mack, Corinna Soros, Mummy Tina, 
Emily Hoven, My Book Jacket, Bread and Pearls, Paige Gorsak, Hey Derpet, Keels223, Basil, Leva Jen, RT Puppy Dog, M.W. Boyce, Alan Matley, Space Hamster, J.V. Purcell, Another Great Etc., Queer Miss Lupin, Fibrous Ruth, Pavlov Theodore, Triceratop, Physics Katie, Livia the Witch, A. Wapianik, It's Just Roar, P.H. Derrett, Terry Lee McGarry, Aaron Emily Ann, Miss Mashable, Krista Brittany, Daughter of Ben, Holly Dunn Design, Whiteley Rose, Athena Genevieve, Indigo Han, Alicia Ardelian, Tracy B, Redicopter, Now We Are All Tom, Nisa Mali, and The Lulu True. How would we procrastinate without you guys? <laughs> Special thanks, as always, to our erstwhile tech support, Trevor Chow Fraser, who today showed me how to turn this into an MP3. Hi, how are you doing? Next week, he'll be traveling with us to Calgary to tech support a live recording we'll be doing with Dr. Derrett Mason's Children's Lit Class. You'll get to hear that recording as a podcast episode, but if you're in the Calgary area and you'd like to see us in person, you should come to our public talk. Which please, feminist fandom, public pedagogy, and podcasting. We'll be talking on Thursday, March 17th from 3.30 to 5 p.m. in the amazingly named Energy Environment Experiential Learning Building, or EEL, room 161. Check out the Facebook event page for more details. You don't have to be a student to join us, so please do. You didn't want to go to a pub that day anyway. (laughs) There's a good chance that our next episode will be that live recording we just mentioned, but that's fine because the next book is the last book, and pretty soon we're going to have a podcast-related existential crisis that is best delayed. I don't know what you're talking about. I refuse to listen. But until then... Later, witches! Witches!